Welcome to the Disruptor Series Podcast, Adweek's Agency Podcast of the Year. Every episode, we listen to and learn from people who are disrupting business, culture, and life. Here are your hosts, Asha Davis and Rob Schwartz. Thank you for tuning in. Our guest today uses the word unflubify, unflinchingly and unabashedly. After all, she is the writer of the new book, Unflubify Your Writing, bite-sized lessons to improve your spelling, punctuation, and grammar. Here she is unashamedly, Sarah Rosinski. Welcome to the Disruptor Series podcast. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Uh, your, your book really inspired me to use a lot of unwords in, uh, in our intro, so <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> now, listen, first question, is unflubify even like a real word? It is now. <laughs> it was not, but neologism, is that how you say it? I, I made it up. Is that how you say it? You tell us. You <laughs> is that how you say it? You're supposed you to You are the grammar it. gal. You are, you know, the queen of the comma. Come on. <laughs> well, anyway, I'd love it if people started using it. Maybe I'll become part of the, the lexicon. So you, so you made up Unflubify. Love yes, it. I did. Thank you. Uh, now, for those of you who don't know Sarah, you really should because she, you know, came into our lives via our feeds with all these fantastic, you know, little reminders about how to use the English language. And, and, they're, and they're really amazing. And uh, I think, you know, one of the first big disruptions that you have provided to the world is you are disrupting the lack of grammar in the world today. Yes. <laughs> I hope so. I hope I'm helping people. Oh, so are you just seeing stuff online and you kind of want, hey, wait a minute. It's like not, you know, there, T-H-E-R-E. It needs to be T-H-E-I-R. Like what, what bugged you? So I'll be honest. I think I really started putting these lessons together. Um, I think I was motivated by self-promotion. I'm a freelance copywriter and I did notice that people struggled with some things and I realized I could help them, but I also recognized it was an opportunity for me to put myself out in front of people, particularly on LinkedIn. So I also was learning Adobe Illustrator and it gave me sort of an excuse to play with it when I created these lessons. So it's kind of a, a number of factors. I do see these errors and I don't think it's because people are stupid or uncultured or terrible. I think they don't know. I don't think they understand that they're making the mistakes. I think they like to write correctly. So I started kind of spelling things out. I think one of my first lessons, I really did use Illustrator. I started to play with letter forms. It was uh, differentiating two, T-O-O, two, T-O, and two. T-W-O. And I, and, yeah, and I, and, I, and I thought, oh, those letter forms of the, the two O's next to one another, you know, they could be talking to one another. So I made like a little call, you know, it's a, I'm, a, I'm an O and I'm an O too, <laughs> you know, and, and I just started trying to make things kind of visual and mnemonic and playful. And that's kind of how it started. I mean, that's already a disruption. You're a copywriter that knows how to use Adobe Illustrator. Like, yeah, I mean, right. that's... <laughs> skill. <laughs> I have a lot to learn, I, but I, I've come a long way. I, I have learned a lot, but I'm also woefully inadequate. <laughs> but, but you know, Sarah, I think you hit on something which uh, you use the word playful. And I think, you know, grammar has always been one of those things like flossing, like, oh, I have to do yeah. it. 
Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you know, you kind of made flossing fun. I mean, that's where I think is something very, <laughs> that, that's what's, that, no, but seriously, I think that's what is very special about what you're doing is that it's, and it's funny, you call them lessons. And to me, they felt more like, I don't know, they were, they were more, they were, they were nicer. They were somehow not like lessons. I didn't right. feel, you know, as you look at these and I, and I urge people to start to follow you because you're really going to improve your language skills, but they don't feel like lessons. They feel like uh, really interesting conversations that happen to have grammar at the center of them. Yeah, it feels like ahas, like, or, mm. you know, like even pour over versus pour over, you know, P-O-R-A versus P-O-U-R. I'm like, oh, nice. <laughs> Spell check is not going to catch that. You know, I'm like when you hear the notion of someone correcting grammar, it's like the grammar police or the grammar not yes. like such a negative connotation to it versus yes. you know, the playful nature that you bring. Yeah, I think I address that in the introduction to the book. I think I say I am not a grammar cop or dominatrix or, you know, I, I am not scolding. First of all, I'd like to say I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. I don't know everything, but I like to help people. And I think it's fun to learn. And again, I, I think you really have the disruption, which is, and sorry, not, not to like beat you over the head with our propaganda. But- <laughs> I think grammarians traditionally have yes. been more like cops and yes. your stuff is more like, you know, I'm of an age where you'd go down to the river and, you know, smoke something like it, <laughs> like you're a cool, you're a cool friend. Yeah, she doesn't have like a wooden ruler in her hand. Slapping no way. No way. You're a cool friend. And again, Asha, I know you, you, you really liked the, the grocer's apostrophe story. So please jump in here on that. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely love that. It's like never trust the grammar on a sign above the bananas. <laughs> it can be. Uh, yeah, I, so the, the grocer's apostrophe, which, trust me, I agonized over to spell that with an apostrophe S. Is it the apostrophe of all grocers or one grocer? But that's a whole other thing. Uh, that, that, that's the phenomenon where sign makers, you know, if, if you own a corner store or whatever, you kind of handwrite a sign and there's this propensity to put banana apostrophe s and uh that is not how you correctly pluralize something so um, that, yeah that's more of like a dominating banana that's, yeah like that's like when there's like a big banana you know like the, <laughs> the, the 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 alpha banana the alpha banana i think it's the apostrophe s the banana possesses you <laughs> oh, oh, oh i like that that's a the demonic banana <laughs> I have to say, though, if you want to be entertained, look up Grocer's Apostrophe on the internet and you will see some tattoos that will break your heart. <laughs> there are, I think there was one that said, no regrets, uh, apostrophe S, it, which is not correct. Uh, <laughs> and, and the irony of that is rich and thick. <laughs> it's, it's better than no regrets, which is which yes, that too. <laughs> Um, I wanted to just ask you quickly about text culture, and that's almost the antithesis to good grammar, if you will, right? And and kind of this notion of short forms for the sake of short forms, and sometimes it's like you're deleting a letter, but it's even longer than it was. Like, when you send texts, do you use proper grammar? Is text communication exempt from good grammar? What are your thoughts there? Uh, So I do swing 
a little to the formal in my texts. Oh. I, do t I, I, I do personally. I do put the period on the end of the sentence, which I know kids these days think is abrupt and rude and full of tone. However, I recognize that when you text, there's a good reason to use shortened forms, casual language, and I don't judge anybody for whatever they text or even put on social media. I'm charmed by those kind of abbreviations and, um, mm. you know, again, the playfulness with the language, you know, using emoji and fine. I want to say here that context is extremely important for all mm. writing. Right. Um, if you are a copywriter writing for an executive audience, if you are a copywriter writing for 14-year-olds, if you are writing a letter to a friend, if you are whatever you have to think about your audience and the context. So to all the people who say, oh, it's because of, you know, electronic media, you know, our, our culture is dissolving. No, <laughs> you can do both. I think we can have casual conversations one mm. place and, yeah. and more respectable kind of formalized conversations in other media. I will say you're better than me, that you think it's charming and you don't judge people <laughs> uh, for their texts because I am with a partner now, but I was online dating for a while. And so that's very text-based communication. Yes. <laughs> if you're familiar with these apps, I know, Rob, that's you know, you're, you're happy on that side. But <laughs> this text-based dating world, yeah. people have definitely been removed from my consideration set because of their text grammar. So yeah. uh, you're definitely better than me in that sense. But just a, a quick question for you. Do you correct your friend's texts? And never, so ever. Never, never. I don't correct. <laughs> the only people I correct are friends who have an error that they don't see and I tell them privately I would never, and also a lot of people tell me that they're afraid to write me, they're afraid to message me, and someone said that she's afraid to write a good review of the book <laughs> because she's afraid that she'll make a mistake, and I, that is so unnecessary. I, I, was, I was worried about sending you the pre-read. <laughs> to reread it, I wanted that. <laughs> Well, I, I, I think that that is very, uh, very human of people. <laughs> no, I, one thing I wanted to come back to was the role of grammar. Because, again, I think we hear the word grammar, our eyes roll, we're, we already get fatigued. It's like grammar, you know, or, and calculus are sort of in the same zip code of things we don't want to, you know, talk about. But grammar is really about you can express yourself with more precision. And I want to link this to just a few things I, you know, as we were chatting, some tattoos where people have expressed themselves in a way where grammar would have helped. So <laughs> the first one I'm going to share with you is one that says, a love thicker than blood. A love thicker than blood, but it's a love thicker, T-H-E-N, blood. Now that's not what they meant. And that, and that is not okay. Then there's another one, knowledge is power, and it's spelled no L-E-G-E. -E. You can't make this up. No L. Right? That's a tattoo. Yeah, so that, that one's not good. And then the last one I'll share again. This is on the point of grammar as a way to express yourself. Never don't give up. Never don't give oh, up. Oh, gosh. Definitely some regrets with those. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely some regrets. Oh. 
So I think when people, and again, this is, I think, the magic of what you do. If you're looking to express yourself with a little more precision than that, Sarah appears in your feed. And uh, again, I think you're, you're more of a grammar friend you know, than a grammar cop. I agree with that. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Now, I, w- I want to just throw out there a few things that I saw just recently in the feed that, that I was really impressed with. You, you gave us the difference between whose and whose. H-O apostrophe S and who's. That was really good. Uh, I also loved your confident versus confidant. I like that. That was really good. And I'm going to give you my favorite one I've seen in a lot. This may be my favorite one you've ever done, which was, and I didn't know this, inflammable and flammable are the same thing. Welcome to English. Yes. That's a tragic turn of events. Yeah. Who knew? I always thought that. You know, and again, thinking about the use of inflammable versus flammable. I happen to think that inflammable suggests protection, but flammable to me suggests be careful with that. Yeah. So if I'm a brand, I may say, make sure that our stuff says inflammable versus this garment is flammable. Like this thing's flammable. You better be careful with this thing where we say, you know, this is, you know, inflammable. That, so we can protect uh, I don't know. Just Those just, two are really problematic. I don't know if you saw some of the comments when I put that on LinkedIn, but there are actually safety problems with those. <laughs> I mean, that, so that, so that were gets, there inflammatory, inflammatory comments? <laughs> Did we inflame the comments? <laughs> it gets back to uh, it's important to be clear <laughs> with your meaning. So, yeah, related to that, there are a number of what are called Janus words that can have two meanings that are the opposite of one another. And it's just so frustrating. I've um, never heard that. Like the, Roman god, the Roman god Janus, right? J-A-N-U-S. Right, two faces. Yeah, so and the, there are other names for that. You can look it up on Wikipedia and see lots of examples. I think I recently wrote a blog about it. it might have been my last blog. The word cleave and cleave, uh, those are not words that people use a lot, but you know, it can mean to stick to something or to cut something away. If so you C-L-E-A-V-E. C-L-E-A-V-E and C-L-E-V-E. I think they might, I think they're spelled the same. They might same. be spelled the same? I think they are. Um, another one, um, if you seed a cucumber, you remove the seeds. But if you seed a garden, you're putting seeds in. Oh. And so they're a number. And we, if you speak English with fluency, you kind of can hack it because of context, but it's also for people who are just learning the language. It's, oh, I remember one, um, someone who speaks English as a second language wrote me, let me think if I can remember, ah, it'll, it'll come back to me, but he was so confused and it was one of those situations um, where the word means the opposite of what you think, so. And by the way, this kind of confusion and the need for this mental dexterity with language is why Americans only speak one language. Exactly. <laughs> That's this, right. This is why Americans don't want to learn another language. We can barely master, you know, this gift before us. <laughs> well, the word genius is not in the word ingenious, so. <laughs> oh, is that true? I learned that from Sarah. Yeah. Yeah, there, I, that's probably my favorite page, I guess, in the book is a bunch of words that don't contain what you think. Like refrigerator doesn't have fridge in it. 
shockingly restaurateur does not have restaurant in it. It's restaurateur. Anyway, a lot of them, and one of them was ingenious and genius. Sacrilegious does not have religious in it. Wow. By the way, fun fact, I started my career as a proofreader and a very, <gasps> and a very bad one at that. I mean, I had typos on my resume. So uh, <laughs> let, let that be a lesson to you that, you know, sometimes, you know, you can get away with murder. And I convinced one of the writers at the time that restaurateur was, had an N in there. Oh, no. And he's like, no, no, it's restaurateur. And I'm like, oh, what are we, in France? I'm like, no, it's restaurateur. <laughs> and I was wrong. And he was right but I didn't want to admit that. So there you go. So fun fact. <laughs> so that means when, when, I, when I ask the question is spell check my friend or foe, it's my foe because it can't help me with these things, right? I think it's your friend of me. It's my friend of me. By the way, it's not friend of me, it's friend of me. There's no, the word friend is not the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta watch out. What about no. Grammarly? Is that one better? I trust Grammarly more than conventional spell check. I think Grammarly actually can be helpful. It can also be annoying. Mm. Sometimes, maybe you've noticed that, you know, sometimes it misinterprets what you're trying to do or its little interface gets in the way. I don't know if you've had that happen before, the little thing in the lower right-hand corner, but I think it's helpful. And I would just challenge everyone to learn from it instead of just lean on it. You know, try to don't, find don't out what you're doing wrong. Now, Sarah first, Asha second. I want to ask you this. How do you feel about when you see edited, like on a LinkedIn post or a Facebook post? How, 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 do you, how do you feel about that? We've all, have we not all done it? Oh, <laughs> we not yeah. All, yeah. So I like it. I, I mean, I think it's actually accurate. Um, you, that information's good, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. Asha, yeah, I mean, I think so too. I, I think, you know, the ability to edit, I think, you know, I don't know why they got to put us on blast, though. It's like, can I just correct a mistake in, in private, buddy? <laughs> but that's what I'm I, I, feel, I feel that it makes me feel somehow like I didn't get it right the first time. Like, by the way, this post you're reading here that, that Rob just did, edited, okay? <laughs> He's called out, you know, he, like, you know, he, he, he used their wrong, you know, like this is, this is not pure, but when I get it right and there is no edited, I am like mic drop all day long. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, not I like, I like the functionality. I don't like the put me on blast. You know? <laughs> it really doesn't bother me for some reason. I do it so frequently. The second you hit post, that's when you realize <gasps> I left out. Oh, yeah. No. I, yeah. yeah. I find all of my uh, whatever good uh, proofreading skills I ever had, they only kick in after I yes. post. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Now, uh, someone asked me on a podcast, you know, it's one of these very lyrical podcasts about, you know, what's like the one thing you would bring with you throughout your career? And I said, uh, Strunk and White. I'm a big fan of the mm. Strunk and White grammar book, but I'm going to have to, because I, again, it was very friendly grammar, but mm -hmm. I'm going to have to say that I think that, the Sarah Rosinski posts might be trumping Strunk and White. And every, and every English major who listens to the show, all, all, all nine of us are like, yeah, Strunk and White, you got it in there. So three of us are on the skull right now. <laughs> go right to my head. That's pretty cool. What do you think about that? It makes me super happy. Heck, I think my book's thicker than that book. It's a pretty thin book, isn't it? 
Yeah, well, listen, I don't want to get into that. I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't taking it there, Sarah. I was just, you know. Your weight requirements. You know, this, this, oh, this, you know, this, you know, this is a family show out here, you know. But you know what I did realize, I have to say, the other day I was making an ad to promote my book, and I started looking at Amazon reviews, and Strunk and White has four out of five stars, and I have five out of five. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, you, Look at that. that. you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> Look show. at that. All right, now listen, now before we get to your journey, because this is a very uh, kind of a Algonquin roundtable conversation, if I, if I might say, I'm going to, I want to know what is your pet peeve, annoying, annoying, the thing you hate most grammar flub? And I'm going to ask Asha, and then I'm going to tell you mine. Okay, I kind of have two, but I'll choose oh, one if we're gonna if we're gonna do that. Um, no, 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 no! You're you're the queen of this. Give us. <laughs> well, two. You can say two. The the one that probably grates on me the most, and again, no one knows that they're making this mistake. Okay, this is the phenomenon that happens. We are children. We start sentences. We say. Bobby and me went to the park. And our mothers say, Bobby and I went to the park. Then we hear that so many times that we believe the only proper way to talk about Bobby, we have to always say Bobby and I. And, and what people do is they will say, the police chased Bobby and I. And that is incorrect. I is a subject and not a, an object. It should be the police chased Bobby and me. Yes. And people, I mean, good author. I, I, I just hear that error so often and I, and I, it's in the book, but just remove Bobby from the sentence and then you'll understand. You would say the police chased me, not the police chased I. So I find myself kind of cringing as people come to that part of their speech. <laughs> Are you going to oh, get it right? I'm so, and, and, and by the way, just to build off that, because I could not be with you more, although that's not my number one, when they throw in the myself. Okay, little, yeah. Right? Yes. Right? Yes. Whenever I see myself, I'm like, uneducated. Yeah, yeah I think it's called I think, uh, hypercorrection is what that is. People are trying to sound proper. And yet you sound like a doofus. Yeah, so, yeah. D-double-O fuss. I'm, I'm trying to find this in my book for you because I think you'll appreciate the headline. <clears throat> it says, give myself oh. a break. <laughs> oh, that is oh, genius. so good. That so. is genius. By, by the way, Asha, did I mention, this might be my favorite episode ever. I think so. Oh, goody. <laughs> right, right, no, hold <laughs> right, no, Sarah, I, and I don't care if the audience is like, you guys are such grammar nerds. I'm turning this off. Fine. Farewell. Sarah, wait one second. All right, Asha, I need to hear your grammar pet peeve. I'm glad that you asked it that way because it's your and your and oh. old English your. Uh, but <laughs> it definitely, that would be, as I was mentioning before, in those text-based uh, conversations oh, yes. and, and, you know, dating preambles. Uh, if someone uses your and your incorrectly, that yes. is, you know, that's an unmatch for me. That, that's an unmatch. I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> right, I, I'm, I'm going to give you mine, and I'm so happy that you guys didn't have it. And um, I think you're going to really appreciate it. The thing that drives me effing crazy 
on February 14th when I hear Happy Valentine's Happy Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's it's time for the Valentine. I'm like, WTF, it's Valentine's. I've never even it's heard not- that. You've never heard Valentine's Day? Oh my God. So You've never heard I- that? All right, the show's over, Ozzy. How did you know it's it? This is going to be the next post. Sarah. Can I, tell you, I have to tell you something. Can I tell you something? Uh, if you're going to confess that you, it's no, Valentine's, no. I'm going to... I have to tell you why I kind of like that, and here's why. Oh, my, <laughs> oh my God. Have you, have you ever heard the term egg corn? No. Okay, I'm gonna go this, with... you guys, this is so cool. Okay, you, that was an egg corn that you just shared with us. So the name egg corn came about because a woman referred to the things from an oak tree as egg corns, which is a malapropism, it's wrong, but it also kind of makes sense, right? Because they're shaped like eggs, eggs make chickens make eggs in the same way that oak trees make acorn, you know, you can kind of understand why it happened. So if you take someone for granite, it's wrong, but they're, they're rock solid, right? you can really depend on them. So <laughs> Valentine's Day, I've never heard that before, but I get it. They people are really thinking it's that time. So uh, so oh, check you that really out. Are kind. She you know, is I, just she said she said it's charming. <laughs> yeah, you you really you really are the grammar friends. You're not yeah. a, you're not grammar please. But yeah, Asha, you're that. with me, right? Valentine's Day. Valentine's, Valentine's, Valentine's that's, that's another right? that's an unmatch. That's an unmatch <laughs> Like what, what, anyway. what, what am I doing? Am I, am I, am I swiping left on that? What, what, what am I swiping? Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right swiping. Right? That's a left. That, that's a no, sir. I, I'd be. I would just like throw the phone. I wouldn't even swipe it. I'd throw the. Phone. All right. Well, very good. All right. Now, now, Sarah, let's let's talk a little bit about your journey. Now, how how did you get here? Uh, Ashley, you had a good question, right? So, like, so what did you major in in school? What were interesting jobs, influential things that kind of got you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I, I was not an English major. I, I oh. almost wish I had been. Eh, I was a history major, but kind of for the same reason. I It gave me an excuse to have to write about interesting topics, right? So history, my history story- major is English major adjacent, by the way. Exactly. And by the way, English major is history major adjacent. There's a reciprocity of the adjacency. Exactly. We, we took a lot of the same classes, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, please. I know, but my story, it's kind of funny how things happened. So as I mentioned, I'm, I'm a copywriter. I graduated overconfidently from college and was astonished I had not been offered a job. <laughs> and I seemed to have a rent that I needed to pay. And so ever the advertiser, I made an ad. I made an eight and a half by 11 ad that I photocopied and I hung all over Boston that said, and I think these were the words, recent Wellesley graduate and aspiring stand-up comedian seeks, and I believe it said, any type of employment you can offer her. Oh <laughs> and I said, um, I, I said, <clears throat> I have a car, I'm on the T, and I had the little tear-off numbers. And that, I had some odd jobs, uh, <laughs> but 
it so happened that the head of a little ad agency thought he might need me to hand deliver some invitations. Anyway, one thing led to another and I ended up answering phones at a little ad agency and typing media buys. And anyway, that's my journey. <laughs> that is a pretty interesting. Yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty good. I think that would be frowned upon today, giving giving random uh, strangers your phone number on these tear off cards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like your home number or cell. <laughs> it but, but, certainly wasn't a cell, honey. But this, but this, this was. Uh, I'm with you, but Sarah, I'm with you. This this was pre, uh, you know, pre internet, pre social media, because I, I did a little direct mail piece. I was I was working in in a delicatessen. And my little direct mail piece said, uh, working nights in a deli has made me hungry. And then when you opened it up, it was like, I really want to be in advertising That's and I'll great. do anything, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. That's great. That's so good. Yeah, so, so that that and a few typos got me a job as a, uh, as a proofreader copy typist. There you go. Interesting. You were a stand-up comic, Sarah. So obviously, you know, we've got that in common as well. We do. <laughs> you know? We do. Except, now, except no, Sarah you stuck with it. Now, did you do stand-up comedy uh, while you were uh, typing up those media reports? When did that all happen? For a while, there was, yeah. The day job eventually got too good. I started stand-up when I was a senior in college. My first open mic night at Catch a Rising Star in Cambridge. And then when I graduated, I did it all the time. Every chance, like I was absolutely pathologically compulsive with how, you you know how it is. I mean, you got to get all the stage time you can. So I, anyway, at a certain point, I couldn't do everything. I became a copywriter, so I just couldn't do it all. But it's fun. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we see some of the humor kind of coming through. So I'm like, oh, that makes sense. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, listen, I think uh, the stuff you write is very funny, very yeah. witty, which is amazing. Thank you. And, and all right, so you graduated, you did the receptionist thing, then you did your stand-up, then you became a copywriter. Yes. Wow, all yeah. right. And then how'd you get out to Colorado? So I uh, most recently was living in Florida, um, working uh, in-house at public supermarkets. And um, mm. at a certain point, I went freelance. Anyway, the, the answer to your question is my husband visited Colorado and he said, oh, I'm moving there. And I hope you'll come. <laughs> it was sort of, that's not wow. right. I mean, I, I'm taking liberties. But he, uh, he just, he had quite enough of Florida. And uh, so. He's, so tell uh, us a little bit about uh, in-house and Publix. Because one thing, Publix is a, you know, a, a wonderful super, supermarket. I've been down there yes. when, I, when, I'm, when I visit uh, what's pronounced Florida here in mm-hmm. New York. And uh, like a real charm to uh, a lot of the uh, the sales materials in the store. Absolutely. And yeah. art direction, beautiful art direction. Oh, it's, yes. Uh, you know, going from an agency to going in-house, you know, you sort of cringe a little. You think, oh, it's going to be, you know, terrible. I, I don't know. You, you don't know what, what's going to be in there. That place has such talent. I got hmm. to work with such good designers, which to me is just the meaning of happiness. Like if you can work with a good designer, right? They make your words work. So when you went into, just let's just stay with this for a second, because <laughs> agencies you know, are of course a hot topic uh, in our business at the moment, but you said designer. So is, is it not writer, art director? Is it writer, designer? Maybe just oh, add us yeah, just I, a little. I, it's true. There's nomenclature. Yeah, I mean, the picture people. I mean, 
yeah, their titles changed during the time that I was there. Oh, I think okay. when I began, they might have been designers, and then they all became art directors, creative directors, team leaders, you know, various things. But I can tell you their names, and I can just tell you that they're, you know, just very good at design. Yeah, good. I think there's a difference, you know, working with an art director, which is amazing, mm-hmm. and working with a designer, which is also amazing, but it is, it, to me, it, it, it's different, at least in my experience. Mm-hmm. So interesting. But I can see, you know, Publix, you know, having a, you know, a really wonderful aesthetic. Yes. As a store. Yeah. So you mentioned kind of our our last question before we get over to the advice. Uh, You mentioned that you do not correct your friend's grammar. So that's great. You still have (laughs) friends. I should should definitely adopt that. Uh, (laughs) Do you think that any of the tips that you provide can help outside of the written word? I know Unclubify is really focused on your writing, but how do these things manifest maybe in speech or other forms of communication? Well, Actually, that pet peeve I just shared with you, that using I as, a, as an object, yes. that's speech. And that's and that myself thing is another thing that you hear spoken. Things like espresso instead of espresso. <laughs> and actually, you're, you're more liable to make that mistake with your mouth rather than your pen, because, you know, Grammarly or Spellcheck is going to help you with espresso. But when you say it out loud... You sound ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So actually, it it, it isn't just writing this book. There are quite a few lie versus lay. That's a hard one, though. That's a hard one. It's hard, and uh, yeah, I would say both Bob Dylan and Eric Clapton got that wrong. Uh, (laughs) Right, but but you know what? But but classic. By the way, could you imagine the song if it was "Lie, Lady, Lie"? Right. I mean, here's what I wrote for Courtney Love: "My Lady Lie." Okay. <laughs> By the way, for those of you who don't know, Bob Dylan wrote the song as Lay Lady Lay, because some of our listeners were born in the 2000s. They, they were, you know, the two, year 2000 was 21 years ago, just FYI. Really? They can drink if they were born in the 2000s, just FYI. Yep. I have pants older than some listeners. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, piece of advice, my favorite part of the show. So, Sarah... What yes. advice would you give to grown-ups who want their written communications to look smarter? Of course they should buy. <laughs> <laughs> they should buy unflubify your writing. That aside, I would actually caution people about trying to sound smart. Ooh, uh, because that can lead to the problems that you know Rob was mentioning about myself, that sort of hypercorrection situation. And as a writer, I would also implore people not to work real hard to sound smart because <laughs> typically that just, I'm going to say this with irony, obfuscates <laughs> what you're trying to get across. It complicates it and makes it more difficult. So never try to sound smart. I would say that try to not make errors, I'm all for that. That is so good. The best advice for a grown-up who's trying to sound smart, just try not to sound smart. <laughs> Don't try to sound smart. Just, just try not to make errors. I like that. Right. I, I think that's true. When you try not to sound smart, you won't sound dumb. I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I love that. that. Rob and myself have enjoyed uh, this conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it was great. Sarah, 
Thank you so much out there in the world. Please pick up Unflubify Your Writing. That's the book. Unflub, that's the title. Unflubify Your Writing. Pick it up. It's over on Amazon. And Sarah, thank you for being unflappable on our thank show. You're you. a wonderful guest. Thank, thank you so you much. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for coming, Sarah. And to all of our listeners, make sure you follow the Disruptor series on Instagram and LinkedIn for all the great content. Thank you for listening to the Disruptor Series podcast, Adweek's Agency Podcast of the Year. Craving more disruption? Visit us at tbwashydayny.com.